Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host and uh, just before we get rolling, I'll just tell you what I've been up to and what I'm doing. So we just came back from about a week of sailing with my dad in the North Channel, which is um, part of Lake Huron. Uh, Lake Huron's one of the five great lakes, if you're unaware, and it's massive. It's it's just hard to describe the size of these lakes to people. I think the the easiest way to describe it is you can take a ferry from Tober, Tobermory to Manitoulin Island, which is like a really short connector point. Manitoulin Island kind of separates the North Channel from uh, the the main body of Lake Huron, and this ferry, if you stand on the pier. You cannot see Manitoulin Island in the distance, but that is like one of the narrowest points like along the lakes where, you know, I'm trying to say is if you were to try to look across in any direction of the actual full size lake, it is just a never ending body of water. And yeah, that's Lake Huron. It is not the biggest of the Great Lakes. That's superior and it's um, they're, they're massive. So this North Channel is maybe 20 or 30 kilometers across, maybe more. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm undersizing the size of the channel, probably 30 kilometers. Uh, maybe it's widest point, but it's like 150 kilometers long. So it's it's quite a it's quite a big body of water, and it's just splattered with islands, and um, it's really really beautiful. So you know, some places like there's the Benjamin Islands in there where it's all. I think it's granite, but I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, you go there and it's just shallow pools and people boat, uh, like, dock their boats and tie them off to the island so they can get quickly, you know, just with a dinghy along the rope or whatever, get between the two. Really social area, and then there's, like, Bay Fin, which is the longest fjord in the world in freshwater. So, typically, they're in salt water coming off the ocean, like in Norway and New Zealand has fjords as well that were pretty epic. and um, But this is a freshwater fjord, and it's 13 kilometers long, and it ends up at this little pool where everybody hangs out at the end of the sailing, um, you know, 13 kilometers down. And then there's some hiking trails near, nearby to uh, another lake called Lake Topaz. And it's a it's a dead lake, so there's nothing growing in it. And, and uh, so we spent a week sailing with my dad down there, playing cards and drinking beers, and it was really, really nice. We decided to leave a couple days early just because, well, we can. We can do whatever we want. But it was also, there was big storms coming in. There were some big storms coming in, and we just happened to be at Little Current where we had parked and just kind of decided, like, rather than spend two more days 
hunkering down from the rain. Why not just drive home? And so we did. And then we started planning our next adventure for the summer, which is going to happen shortly. I think in the next week or so, we're going to take off to Mont Laurier, which is three hours north of Ottawa. And from there, we're going to start cycling the Petit Train du Nord, which goes basically all the way to Montreal, to Laval anyways, now. So it's, it used to start, I believe, in Saint-Jérôme. Well, if you're down there uh, on the Montreal side, which Saint-Jérôme was the ending point. But now, if you look at their maps, they actually, and that was kilometer zero. And Mont Laurier is like kilometer 200. But now when you get to Saint-Jérôme, where the start point is, the kilometers start going negatively to negative 32, I think. So they've extended the trail. They've worked on it and creating a, it's, it's, it's really nice. So, yeah, so it's 230 something kilometers long, maybe 40, I don't know. And so we're going to start in Mont Laurier and we're going to ride as a family. It's going to be a family bike tour, which will have me with a dog on a basket, in a basket slash running by my side, um, on the back of my bike, whilst I also pull the chariot with the baby, <clears throat> because I like to do the extra work, so I get my workouts in our 30 to 50 or so kilometer days, and then my wife and her sister will just uh, pedal, they'll just keep on pedaling, and it's going to be fun. We're planning, the first three days are really, really casual, just because they haven't bike toured in, well, her sister never, and Sima Ever since we went to Quebec City, that's uh, that was the last time she's bike toured. Yeah, we'll put, you know, 30-some kilometers a day. I will ride back, grab the RV, or the camp, you know, the SUV with the, the camper on the back. And then we'll come pick them up, and we'll find a place to camp for the night. Just keep things cheap, but also have water access and beds and stuff. And uh, just kind of find that happy in between for this first tour as a family with a child and a dog. So I think that was a awesome compromise. And then we're going to be near Mont Tremblant, which is the halfway point. And it's also one of uh, Eastern, it is probably Eastern Canada's most epic ski hill, ski resort, um, tons of hiking trails and stuff. And we're going to spend a couple days there just kind of hanging out and enjoying ourselves. And um, from there, we're going to cycle the rest of the way into Montreal. Uh, most likely stay with some family there for a couple more days to... Um, to just, yeah, decompress and have fun in Montreal because Montreal's a cool city, so why not? So looking forward to, to the remainder of the summer and making the most of it. So that's the plan. Other than that, I guess we could jump into the, uh, into the intro song. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you will be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring and bike packing. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys, and through both mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring or bikepacking and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already an experienced bike tourer or bikepacker, I hope that my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show and keep on pedaling. Hey. 
In this episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast, I'm speaking with Brooke Smith, who uh, recently set the FKT on the BT700 in Southern Ontario. So I first met Brooke at the Grand Depart at the start of the race um, or event. There were a handful of us up in the pointy end of the race um, that got out together and we're just kind of putting down the miles and I had a chance to talk with Brooke and realize that he also is the creator of the Bang Bang Bikepacking route through the Toronto, the greater Toronto area. And I had previously seen that and corresponded with him a little bit to get on the Bikepack Adventures website. And so I had a chance to meet Brooke and talk with him. And after he absolutely crushed the FKT on the BT700, I invited him onto the show to share a story and talk about biking. And so here he is. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brooke Smith. Brooke, welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. Thank you for having me. So why don't you start off by telling us about yourself? Um, so I started riding a bike maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And I basically fell instantly in love with like mountain bikes. Um, I, I'm, in, I'm in Toronto, in East York. There's a huge... Uh, uh, mountain bike scene there in the Don Valley. So I'd go out there three or four times a week, uh, rip trails, you know, drink beers with my friends in the forest and have a, basically an awesome time. And then uh, I start kind of getting a little quick. So I decided that uh, I'd try some racing. So I raced uh, a bunch of O Cups for until the pandemic. Okay. So maybe four or five years, I got up to, you know, masters because i was pretty old at the time like you know between like i don't know 33 and 40 yeah is masters above like 35 kind of thing or is it uh it's like baby masters is like 30 to 40 okay and then like masters masters kind of starts at like 40 plus Uh, okay but but i i was never like athletic as a kid like i'd be like hanging out with the you know at the very back of basically any run yeah that you can imagine I like, I hated all that stuff when I was younger, but, uh, you know, athletics has kind of really changed my life in my later years here. And did you grow up in Toronto then or? No, I grew up uh, about an hour and a half North of there, uh, in Aurelia, Ontario. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so pretty small town, 30,000 people, I guess at the time okay. and I went to, uh, college in Oshawa and, and, uh, up getting a job, uh, and living downtown Toronto for, I don't know, like uh 15 years or so oh, okay and now yeah and i end up buying a house in scarborough so i'm kind of become what i hate so <laughs> now i'm not here <laughs> yeah it's a tough one man like i i always said like my when we were coming back to canada my wife and i um so i met her in malaysia and she's persian and and she was like you know there's better jobs in toronto and i was like i will go anywhere other than toronto like i really don't oh, yeah. want to be in toronto because you know, it's like, it's a big city and I've, I've been living abroad in big cities for like yeah. 15 years and, and, and there's some really great things. Hold on. I'm going to ask my wife if she can quiet the dog down. And, um, yeah. So I was like, if we're going to pay the price of living in Toronto, we might as well move to Vancouver because we have nothing attaching us to a city in particular, you know, Ottawa was kind of home yeah. for me. It's my university city. And, um, so in the end she had some friends here and we decided to come here and I'm super happy here because it's, nice. you know, trails and forests and stuff everywhere. But, um, yeah, Toronto, I think yeah. it's, you know, you don't really, like, there's a lot there. There's a lot to offer, but you don't really hear about it um, because everybody just talks about the big city, right? 
Yeah, like, um, you know, the the trail system in Toronto is is actually uh, uh, pretty wild. There's like, I don't know, like 80 kilometers of of single track in in that little valley in the surrounding area. So, like, if you if you put it all together, so like, there's a monster amount of of really high quality mountain biking trail, like that's like literally 10 minutes from downtown. Okay. So. Yeah. Next time I come, I'll bring my bike uh, for sure. Um, you should absolutely. I'll take you. I'll take you for a loop. Yeah, that'd be wicked. So up until about thirty years old, you you really didn't bike, huh? You didn't do much sports, and um, what- no, I was like a, a kind of like a fat smoker. I guess, oh yeah, you know, I was probably about sixty pounds heavier. I was smoking a pack a day or so, or half half a pack to a pack a day, and uh, you know, I ended up uh, you know quitting smoking. I started kind of like what I would call jogging, which is like pretty much uh, like a fast falling forward down the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's where we're all, all athletics starts. Yeah. Like, you know, that first step. So, you know, and, I was really happy. Uh, I, like it took a long time to like kind of work my way up, mm-hmm. but like, I was really happy. I ended up doing like a half marathon or something. And oh, uh, I actually injured myself. Like, literally like three kilometers in and like limped the whole thing <laughs> but <laughs> and you I finished finish. like yeah i finished it but yeah it it was great i don't know i've learned a lot through through athletics yeah for sure i was gonna say what yeah. what brought you to the bike and like to the mountain biking scene in um in the toronto area like i mean what yeah. was the catalyst to get you on a bicycle uh, you know, I had, I had an old mountain bike in my parents' garage and, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to ride that around for like commuting and I ended up, uh, seeing all these trails through where I was commuting. I was like, yeah, I bet you I could probably ride this bike on those trails and it's a mountain bike, of course. So I could, and I was like, oh, this is really fun. So I went out and spent all the money making my bike all awesome and stuff like, you know, uh, uh, an old marlin and uh and i just like was instantly addicted oh nice instantly like like bloody bloody legs from like you know so many pedal strikes the whole bit going over the bars like i crashed so much like i was just so bad trying to figure like, things out yeah yeah for a long time <laughs> you know <laughs> that's wild but yeah. Um, so I guess if it had been an old road bike in your parents' garage, you'd have been like a spandex latex, uh, psych <laughs> road biker and just happened to be, it was a mountain bike. Huh? Yeah. You know, I, I've never, I never got into baggies. Like even, even like, uh, you know, riding, riding with all my, uh, friends, they're all in baggies and I, I'm like always in spandex. Yeah. Like I, yeah. So yeah, I guess, I guess the spandex one hit me or whatever. <laughs> it was a calling. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan. I, typically wear bibs and bike shirt um but i yeah. do have some shorts and stuff that occasionally i'll just hop out on the bike and go for a quick grip and come home and keep carry on with the day like nothing don't have to change yeah so um did you um in, over these past you know seven eight nine years or so have you ever done any bike touring or anything like that prior to um getting into bike packing so, uh, like a lot of people, I, I got into it with the uh, pandemic. So, in uh, 2020, um, I did uh, the GNR, which is out of uh, St. Jacobs. Yeah. And then I did 
that was like two days. And then I did the, uh, the BT 700 and that took about, I did that in four days. Okay. And then, uh, months later I, I took my bike out to, uh, British Columbia and I rode from Vancouver to Canmore. Oh, nice. (laughs) So, and that took, uh, I don't know, like 12 days or something. And was that like on a, using trails mostly or? Yeah, it is basically the the BC Epic route mm-hmm. uh, to get across the across BC, and then the Tour Divide up. Okay. So I just like match those two together. Nice. Yeah. And that's twelve days, and it's got to be what fifteen hundred kilometers or so, or is it less? I don't even know. Mm, I think it's sixteen fifty. Sixteen fifty. Okay. So it's a good amount of mileage. Yeah. Like I, I had some like rough days. That was like pretty KO'd because I, I had never done anything like that before. So like I didn't know about like e- how much you got to eat, for instance. Like I thought you could just have like meals. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You have to eat a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Um, well, let's let's talk about bikepack racing. Um, so I guess maybe would you say that this uh, event that we, we just finished a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, um, was that kind of your first? you know, going for an FKT like race mode or had there been other events prior to it? Um, so I've done, uh, I've done like all day events. So I think I, I made a route. It go that goes from the, the Dawn Valley out to, uh, uh, to Durham forest, uh, via like a bunch of single track and stuff. And I, I've, I've raced that. And that was about, uh, first time I did it was like 16 and a half hours. Second time it was like 14 hours. Okay. So like I've done like kind of like, like long stuff, uh, but I've never done any multi-day racing like this. Like everything I like learned, I learned from like podcasts and the internet. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I read the, uh, you know, accounts of the previous record holders. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, th- uh, Theo Kelsey that you had on, on here mm-hmm. on this podcast. And uh, uh, Kyle Messier and uh, uh, Tiago, uh, which I think he he did it. Oh, I didn't know he had a record before that. Tiago, yeah, that's um, yeah, yeah. I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know about his. I think I think for the grand part, mm-hmm. like he's the fastest the grand part. Oh, okay. Uh, in twenty twenty one, I think. Oh, okay. Twenty. No, maybe 2020. No, 2020. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, fantastic. So tell us about your bike. Uh, I'm assuming you're not using that Marlin anymore. So <laughs> no, it's all 29ers for me now. Um, yeah. So I rode a, a full suspension uh, XC bike. Uh, it's a Pivot Mach 4 SL, which happens to be the exact same bike that the fastest female uh, uh Use this year, uh, Sarah Kaler. Yeah, I just heard about her. I actually met. Uh, yeah, I met a. Uh, I don't know what his what he is with her, but he like a good friend of his hers in uh, in Meaford, and we were sitting there in the Tim Hortons when I was just broken down shell of a human being, and we talked for like an hour, and he had told me about her her ITT that she had just literally finished a day or two before. Yeah, she had she had way harder conditions. Uh, the headwinds uh, for her effort were like. I heard. Uh, we're we're absolutely crazy I, I was really happy that we missed those on on our tour yeah that's right because it was like those two two to three days right before it started was insane yeah. even driving from Ottawa, i was like what the fuck is this you know yeah super blustery yeah for sure 
And what was her time? Do you know? Because I he didn't remember, so I couldn't ask. Uh, I think she finished in sixty nine hours. Okay. Sweet. She she I think she she also left from her home. Oh, okay. As well, which is on on the route. She's a trail angel for the route, um, and is a fantastic host. Um, you know everything you could ever need, and there's like, you know, uh, lots of people camp camp in her backyard and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so tell yeah. me why why the full suspension bike? I mean, I guess it's maybe the bike you have, or um, do you feel that there is any negatives to having the full suspension? I mean, it definitely probably weighs a little bit more and things like that. Yeah. So the bike I had before was a uh, like a, a Surly Karate Monkey. Oh, yeah. So that bike is not light, um, and uh, you know, without suspension on, I think that bike was like thirty pounds. Uh, so like with, just with the steel rigid fork. So this bike is probably around 24 pounds. Oh, that's pretty light. 20, yeah. 24, 25 pounds. And I fully loaded with, uh, you know, a liter and a half of water and 3000 calories is still only 44 pounds. So like it's, it's, it looks beefy, but it's only, you only really pay a little bit of a premium for the extra suspension. And it's the only mountain bike I have. So, right. <laughs> you know, uh, I sold that, that other bike. I was, uh, you know, every time I sell a bike, I like, I'm sad for like a month. I'm like, ah, oh, I should never have sold that. Yeah. But, you know, they all got to go as, as a point. That's it. You can only hold so many. I mean, well, yeah, theoretically, um, theoretically, what kind of tires were you using on your bike? Hold on. <laughs> mezcals. Oh, you are using mezcals. Okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. yeah. No, they're they're a fantastic tire for this, and they wear really well. Yeah, I've, I've my first season on Mezcals, and yeah. I mean, I've probably ridden at this point maybe fifteen hundred k or so on them, and they don't look like they've yeah. taken any wear and tear. Um, nothing, maybe a thousand k, maybe less than fifteen. Yeah, somewhere around there. So the rear tire I'm using on this bike has gone, uh, I think, almost two thousand kilometers, and it's still totally decent. Yeah. Like it's that's super long wearing for a for a mountain bike tire for sure. Yeah, definitely. They they definitely. I mean, they're made for speed. They they don't always grip in the corners the best and stuff. So I definitely like feel that I need to slow down a bit. But if I'd been riding my gravel bike, I would have been slowing down anyways. So yeah. All right. So yeah. um. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I actually run them a lot lower uh, than most people. I would suspect that I run them at like twenty three psi. Okay. So they're pretty soft. Yeah, it's weird. I wasn't sure what to run mine at because on the tire itself, it says don't run below 30. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I think I didn't pump them up before the event anyways. And I think they were around 25 or so. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty good. Yeah, pretty perfect. Yeah. Um, so talk us through your event. I mean, uh, it was, it was fun. I was with you guys for the good part of the first day. Um, you guys being, you know, the three or four of us that were up in the front. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama Cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Shocks Fat Bike, the Catadan Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way. 
while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess... Um... So, uh, you know, actually, sorry, maybe I'll interrupt you. Maybe I'll ask you first, what was your plan going into it and how did you prepare and plan to, to take down this FKT and, uh, what was the, you know, it it was interesting for me because when I was talking to you, when we were riding, you're like, yeah, I've never done like more than two, 200 kilometer days in a row. And I thought, oh, okay, this guy's. I don't think he, like, you know, cause I can't imagine yeah. who's competition or not. So I was just riding and I'm like, Oh good. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so what was your game plan? So I, I guess I should mention that I also FKT the GNR. Okay. But that, that only stood for like a week and I did it with a, with a friend of mine. We weren't like drafting each other, but yeah, we, I, I we were together. So mm-hmm. it was like a team time trial, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. It so still counts as an ITT though. If you guys aren't drafting, yeah. I mean, and you, you know, at yeah. times you ride side by side or you keep your distance. I think it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I think, I think a month later, somebody took uh, uh two, two hours off of our like 19 hour time. So, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, so this, uh, uh, so I'm a, a programmer and you know, everything has to be kind of like figured out and uh, sorted out so i had a spreadsheet with with all of my proposed stops how much water i need at each stop how many calories i needed um what time of day i get there all the splits from all the previous uh, fkt events at each each location oh wow okay all the elevation information so you know for instance i knew that the first 400 kilometers are you know relatively flat Mm -hmm. um they're not flat flat but they're pretty flat compared to the rest of it yeah um you know you can carry more water you can carry more food so you don't have to stop as much um the second half is way more hilly i think there's like six thousand meters of elevation or something versus the first like 1700 or whatever Mm -hmm. in the first half and then so there's way more stops but you because you carry less stuff so you carry less water less calories but you you stop a little bit more mm-hmm. um so and there's a lot of like river crossings and things like that so you know you have to bring something to deal with like you know emergency water so i brought tablets that's what um, i do too yeah because i feel like a filter is just yeah. too slow yeah and I, I don't think the water is too too dangerous in general mm-hmm. like a lot of it's fast fast flowing yeah and pretty clear so I, I i didn't touch any stagnant water or anything like that um but yeah I had, I had all that information on my phone uh which was conveniently ejected about halfway through the race at what point so, did you lose your phone because i know when i lost mine <laughs> so yeah, i lost in pretty river which is probably around kilometer uh 500 okay yeah. oh no no it's like 550 or something oh, okay nice i mean well not is nice that, but yeah yeah you know. So I got my wife to uh, use the Find My Phone app, and a buddy of mine actually went to Pretty River and, and scooped it. Like, by the time I, I found out that I lost it, it was already 
you know, it, I had been riding for like an hour or something, raging down a bunch of like downhills and yeah. stuff. I had no clue. So I went back, looked for it for like, I don't know, like 15 minutes and then just kind of gave up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a company phone. So, and was it, <laughs> was it mounted on your bike or was it in a pocket or? No, I put it in my, uh, in my backpack. Like there's like kind of like, uh, a sleeve on the yeah. front. Yeah. On the straps oh, okay. uh, on my backpack and I put it in there and which is exactly how I broke it you know, a month before. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, it's all taped in a million yeah. pieces, like the back of the phone is all busted, but yeah. So I, I, I lost in the exact same way that I lost a month uh, before. So that's, that's on me for you, sure. You know, I was saying the same thing is, um, I, I'm using a quad lock and I've, yeah, the very, uh, my, I, when I had a Samsung galaxy S eight, um, I thought I clipped it on, but I, at that time I was quite new to them and I didn't. And when I picked my bike up off the wall, the phone just fell down and the screen smashed. And I was like, ah, shit. And yeah. so f- since that time, I'm always like super careful. I clip it in, I give it a shake, you know? Um, yeah. And earlier on in that day, maybe when in the Carrick trails, um, I noticed that it had taken a slight turn and I thought maybe I hit it with my knee or something. So I straightened it out. And then sure enough, around kilometer 270, right when that first section of the Bruce Trail was super rocky and stuff before those big puddles, um, somewhere in there, it disappeared on me. And it was nighttime and I got out onto the main road and I come to check my phone. I was like, oh, let's check track leaders. There's no phone there. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I wasted a bunch of time as well. Um, So you were quite past the phone already or did you turn around and try to find it or you just... Um I turned around and like looked for it for like 15 minutes, but like, I, I just, you know, it's been a, like an hour since I saw it. So I, yeah. I gave up pretty quick. It's probably the smart move. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, after, after searching for like a good 45 minutes or so and making, losing a bunch of time. And then that's when the negative mindset started kicking in. But, um, yeah. so yeah. So tell us more about your planning. So you, you had a, you had a pretty good game plan. You were saying, um, you know, carrying a bit more weight and food and water in the first half of the race, basically. Yeah. And then you would lighten the load for the second half. Yeah, basically. And then uh, I, uh, I I thought I'd be sleeping for about like an hour and a half each mm. night. Um, and all of that, I think, like I, I was hoping to get around that, uh, you know, 48 hour mark. Because I, I thought that that was kind of doable. Uh, given that uh, when I did it in four days, uh, the actual riding portion was about 40 hours. Okay. And I figured that uh, I'm really good at, like, staying on my bike. Mm-hmm. So, like, as long as you're, like, pedaling, you, you know, you're you're doing pretty good. Yeah. So I was hoping that I could really stay on the bike. Maybe uh, resupply and stuff would take, wouldn't take a crazy amount of time, and I'd just be able to, like, zip in and out of, of different convenience stores and stuff because I've been practicing that for – you know, so every, every, every skill, every skill yeah, I've broken down and I've practiced it. So, you know, I've gone on long rides with a loaded bike, you know, up to my parents' house, which is like, uh, you know, 150 kilometers. And then I do that instead of taking my truck, I, I, I take a fully loaded bike and visit them with that. And then, um, uh, for like, uh, just, I'd, I'd end up riding trail with a fully loaded bike. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd go out on scouting missions for mm-hmm. my bikepacking route, uh, fully loaded, even if it's just for the day. Yeah. You know, just to practice 
that get the get the get all that dialed and get the bike dialed yeah uh so like when i'm actually riding it in the in the race i wouldn't be worried about any of that stuff that i could just like pedal mm-hmm. and um oh what was i gonna ask so, there was something in my head and it just kind of slipped out but um yeah so and i think i read in your I read in your blog post there on your Strava. Was it? It was on your Strava file. You wrote it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I read there that you you had it kind of figured out that every forty five minutes you'd take in X number of calories, yeah. and that's a. I was I was like, damn, look at this guy. Like, no yeah. wonder he did such a freaking awesome job. But I actually yeah. looked back in my own file uh, from last year, and I was because I wrote it in fifty six. So I I actually ITT'd it and had the FKT for about two days until Theo beat it, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, it was also about 40 or 41 hours of riding, but then I had a big chunk of wasted time, you know, like it was my first bikepacking event. Um, so yeah, that was a, it's a really good point is like managing the stop time is where you, and sleeping and stuff is where you really can make a lot of ground. Absolutely. And like with any of this stuff, it's like uh, trying to limit your, your useless stopping time is, mm-hmm. is kind of the name of the game. Uh, and like that, the, yeah, that eating like, you know, uh, 250 to 350 calories, depending on like your body, how mm-hmm. many, cause you, you can never eat it all back, but you can eat like half of it back. And yeah. as long as you're kind of like, uh, doing that, like, I think I ended up with, uh, I was doing 45 minutes. I think I actually ended up doing 35 minutes, 200 calories every 35 minutes. Okay. And then I have all my food like broken down into 200 calorie portions. So like, uh, I wouldn't, I, I didn't have to think about the nutrition part the mm-hmm. nutrition is actually really difficult because you, uh, uh, as you know, some foods at certain points of a race are, are absolutely disgusting. Yeah. You can't eat them. You can't put them, you can't smell them. You can't put them in your face. Um, you know, I had a lot of, uh, nut based things that I, I couldn't eat, um, you know, halfway through, uh, I ended up buying a lot of like, uh, honey buns and, um rice crispy treats mm-hmm. uh slim jims cheese uh i, I ate some subway sandwiches <laughs> yeah i, I like know. doing the subway because i'll ask him to wrap half for later and i'll just stuff it in yeah. a pocket and or in a feed bag and it's perfect because it fits in there just beautifully yeah they're kind of hard to eat on like bumpy trail but yeah i think i, I got them to make me two sandwiches and two 12 inches yeah for that big section between uh uh mcgregor and owen sound i think i only ate is mcgregor uh, like port elegant like that subway there it's the the big uh uh the provincial park oh yeah oh yeah 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 so right that's right yeah Yeah. so i stopped at the subway actually on the way into port elegant i i think we stopped the same subway yeah i I don't think there's two of them yeah right by the walmart maybe yeah yeah the guy loaded me up with extra cookies too he, they were getting ready to close he's like hey you want more cookies i'm like bring them on man <laughs> yeah buddy yeah. yeah that's wild yeah and yeah. um so how did your game plan work out and how did it uh what what kind of challenges um yeah for so so for the first like 20 hours everything worked out really good like i just like was you know uh riding uh pretty pretty good uh you know eating at the right interval eating the right food the food actually was like pretty good at that point because i hadn't gotten disgusted about anything yet mm-hmm. so i could eat all all my snacks uh pro bars fig newtons uh chocolate bars stuff like that 
and I got all the way to Owen Sound. I got some, uh, you know, so, some more treats, and and that was great. And I ended up in sleeping in Meaford for about forty five minutes. Yeah. Um, and I woke up from that, and I was feeling pretty good, and and I rode pretty, uh, pretty strong until maybe ten o'clock at night or something the next day. Um, like basically that whole day was, was, was pretty fine. Uh, you know, and that was all the blue mountains at that point. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a cool area. I, I really like that section of it. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at that point, I think the, the lack of sleep was starting to kind of like hurt a little bit. And, um, uh, I basically kept going and, uh, I started kind of like not eating enough. Uh, it just, felt like my my alarm. I have an alarm on my Garmin, and mm-hmm. it just kept like going off. Like it felt like it's going off every like five minutes. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not hungry. I don't need to eat. And I was like, I don't know why I started thinking that, but like I stopped eating at my regular interval, and then all my food. I got to the point where all my food was just like completely disgusting, yeah. and I couldn't like muster it. Uh, you know, I ended up ended up at a at uh, Tim Hortons and uh, I, I thought it'd be open because it's, I thought it was the 24 hour one because I didn't have my phone there, anymore. So I didn't have yeah, any information. So yeah. There was one that's... that was slightly off the trail. There's 24 hours at one place, like near yeah. you're around that kilometer 650 ish or so. I remember that in my planning. And then there was one yeah. that's near the trail that was closing. And yeah. So I ended up stopping at that 650 one, mm. but I thought this one at maybe like 550 or okay. something was that, or maybe not five. Well, I don't remember exactly. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was it. So uh, I, 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 you know, I at that point I didn't have basically anything left I could actually eat. So I, I kind of like ducked around back and looked around to see if they had a garbage bin, garbage bin, and, and grabbed some uh, some muffins and some uh, Timbits. And and were there some it. there? You got uh, lucky. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Lucky. It's a giant bag that looked uh, looked totally fine. They had it kind of like in a little cart, so it wasn't quite in the dumpster. So I didn't feel that bad about it. Awesome. I wouldn't even but, feel that at uh, all. That's perfect. Yeah, no, those really helped. And your wife's probably happy. He's like, yeah, I saved 10 bucks too, hey? <laughs> she just laughs at me. Like all these ridiculous things I do, she just laughs at me. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Go ahead. At that point, I was like completely nuked. I actually thought that you were still chasing me because like at the beginning of the, the race, you were like, uh, we were talking and you're like, uh, I'm only going to stop you know, a little bit, like my moving time's going to be like 90%. And, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this guy's like, this guy's not playing. I got like, cause I didn't know what, what a good moving time was. And that sounded really good. So I was like, <laughs> this guy's like a hitter. He's going to be like right behind me. Cause I, I had been at that point, I was feeling like so weak. I was like yeah. lying so slowly. I know what it's, it's like, like man. So much mental effort. And the rail trails yeah. tore that whole entire last, a oh, handful of hours just sucks, right? Rail trail yeah. when you're tired and you're like trying not to fall asleep. And yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, um, yeah, I, I realized I, I learned a huge, I think I just released a podcast a couple of days ago about like learning to fail. And like, I re- I learned a huge thing for myself and that's that, you know, I like ITTs better cause I'm really social, which yeah. doesn't necessarily help because sometimes I talk or, uh, and like the film guy used those times I chatted for a few minutes topped up water, had a snack. But if I was in the right mindset to race, 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 I should have been like 
rolling all the time. Um, yeah. And, and I wasn't in that mindset. So uh, I wish I would have been right behind you chasing you down. But <laughs> having <laughs> well, lost my know, phone I, at the 270 kilometer mark, I was really, really yeah. freaking, I, I lost my mind, man. <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, it was so early. Yeah, that I, was it. And like, and I was still thinking, like, am I going to do the whole thing? Like the GNR, everybody talks about how hard it is with like a Garmin and good thing you have a phone and this and that and you'll be using the maps and then all of a sudden i'm like i don't have a phone i'm like oh shit like yeah yeah um yeah what was it how did uh how did things work out with that i know Les was ahead of you for for quite a while um probably until about somewhere after meford and stuff right and at some point you passed him so he, he, uh, he, he is ahead. He, he skipped a section near the beginning. Yeah, the, the carrot uh, track, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he, he skipped that. And then, uh, uh, he's behind me going into that and then he skipped that. Then he's ahead of me. Ah. And then, uh, I caught up with him, uh, maybe, uh, you know, 250 or around 250, kilometer 250 or something. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then he, he ended up, uh, he was kind of like discouraged because of uh, like he thought they was still going for the for the record. Uh, and you he told didn't him recognize that. Well, you know, I'm like, well, if I was gonna do it, I'd probably do the whole thing. Yeah, uh, well, I think I think he didn't yeah. know because the problem is on on Matt Ka- on Matt Katie's route, even on the Garmin, it pops up says optional single track section. And mm. so if he's looking at his Garmin or whatever, and it says optional section, he's thinking, oh, it's optional. I don't have to do it. Yeah. Like. You know, it's not realizing yeah. that if you're heading for an FKT, you've got to do every single inch and every kilometer. Yeah. And I think he didn't know. And well, that, that whole section was was actually really tough because the uh, the resolution of the map was like there's like it's just like really hard to figure out yeah. what trails you're supposed to go on. So that whole thing was like I stopped and backtracked like three or four yeah, times me too. in that little section. I think it that five kilometers took me a good amount of time. Yeah. Like maybe 35 minutes, 40 minutes or something, I would think. Yeah. And I had it, I had it open on my phone on the, 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 um, quad lock and it was still hard yeah. looking at a phone. So I remember last year trying to do it with just a Garmin and it was tough. Yeah. I had to like zoom all the way in on my Garmin and it was just, yeah, it was a pain. Uh, but like, I think, um, and then he, he ended up, uh, kind of getting, uh, uh, dissuaded, with that and i think that he kind of uh, we caught i caught up with him um i don't know maybe kilometer like 550 or something and he was he was uh kind of ready to pull the plug i think at that oh, point okay. yeah but uh he didn't bring any sleep gear i know that I was think, wild or crazy yeah. i don't even know <laughs> yeah i look brave i guess yeah uh, he is also he's also on a cross bike yeah. So, you know, he's like, I'm coming back with, with sleep gear and a mountain bike. So I'm, I'm really happy to That's cool. go back and try it again. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I was wondering too, he was running 40 C tires and I mean, totally yeah. doable, but I feel like it's not totally doable. I mean, it's really hard if you're going for a wicked fast time. Cause I did it last year on 44s and it was really tough. Like my body was broken, you know? Yeah. Um, and I had suspensions handlebar with the redshift and seat posts and stuff. And like, it was still really hard on the body. And um, yeah. some of those, some of those trails down near the mono Hills and that everything else after, I don't even know the names of the areas, but 
they're they're pretty hard on the body. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think the first person at FKT did was uh, Kyle Messier. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, he, yeah. He he actually did it on a cross bike, uh, and he did the seven hundred kilometer course in about forty four hours, I think. Yeah, and he did uh, he did on that. Uh, but like he, he came back with a hardtail next time when he, when he went for the, uh, the, the BKXL. Yeah. And I think when we were talking about it, um, on the ride during that first, uh, half day or so you had mentioned, like, when you look at like kilometer per hour or something like that average, like he still holds like a fastest overall average time or speed or something. And, yeah. um, but I think. Also, I, I know that Matt has added a lot of single track from those early days when it was 700 kilometers. So he's, it's become almost 800, but on top of that, like he's replaced a lot of gravel with trail and, yeah. uh, you know, unmaintained roads and stuff. So I think it's definitely become tougher. Um, I don't know if somebody could maintain the same speeds or maybe they can, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, the only way to find out is to do it, uh, I think I, my ride file was like uh, almost eight, or is about eight hundred kilometers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I, I think I think that uh, that I had a, uh, you know maybe five kilometers of going off track to get supply and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a much longer course now. It's much more single track, more mm-hmm. single track every year. Yeah. So. Uh, I remember just hitting that first section of Bruce trail and it was so rocky and so bumpy. And I was like, Oh, Brooke must be loving this because he's got full suspension, but, but it was so rough. And I was like, I was thinking about, I was already cursing. I was was already cursing Matt going, you fuck. Like this is terrible. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very skilled mountain biker, I think. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that aren't, and they must be having a miserable time on that piece of trail. Cause if you're just, you know, if you're, if you're a bike packer who's, um, you know, not super hardcore about it or learning to develop your skills, it's going to be a really, really hard trail. You're going to be pushing a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think halfway through that section, I actually saw some people that were doing the, doing the thing and they, they had camped, uh, in the middle of that rough section. Oh yeah. So if that tells you anything about it, <laughs> how rough that area was, they, they gave yeah. up halfway through as I, screwed i'm sleeping yeah. yeah and then i also laughed myself because i'm riding it and i have like you know cushy two and a half two and a quarter inch tires and um my, my bike's pretty comfortable and then i was thinking like oh lens up there on 40s this gotta really suck <laughs> yeah um so yeah i guess after you lost your phone you mentioned that you decided like no more sleep because maybe chris is behind yeah. me or somebody so yeah so the, the no more sleep thing was because I didn't have an alarm yeah. anymore. So I was like, if I fall asleep and he, you know, Chris is, is like a couple hours behind me. Cause I think at that point, last time I know, saw you're a couple, maybe three hours behind me or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I checked. So I was like, all right, so I don't want to sleep through in, into the morning or whatever. So I just won't sleep. And like in retrospect, that's a bad idea. Like it's not. I don't think it's faster no. to skip sleep. Like I, I think that you pay for it in a lot of different ways. The way that I paid for it was like, you know, I started. I think for the first like twenty hours or something, I did like maybe like one ninety, one eighty normalized power, which is you know good. 
Uh, and I think at the the last like I don't know, like eight hours or something, I was like down to a hundred. Okay. Uh, so like if that tells you anything, yeah, I think that's not normalized. But like I was like half half as much pressure on the pedals mm-hmm. at that point. Like I was just like completely shelled. You know, I was like uh, like wobbly and yeah, and just like this should be a cautionary tale to anyone out there that's thinking about doing uh, like you know. I don't know how good I, I maybe I'm just real bad at it, but well, it, it was real rough. I remember last year it was really hard, and the only times where I felt like truly awake were when I was on single track sections because, I mean, your mind is yeah. going, so it wakes you up. Um, as soon as yeah. I get on gravel roads or be climbing a gravel road or on a rail trail, my God, yeah. like I was in la la land, like it was really hard. Yeah. Well, that that last section, that last like 200k or whatever it is, 150K was absolutely brutal. Brutal. I was like, you know, every, every like second or third junction, I was like putting my head down on my bars to kind of like try to get my stuff together enough to like actually be able to go faster than like 15 kilometers an hour in rail trail. Well, I'm glad to hear you <laughs> suffered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never suffered like this before. So yeah. if that makes you happy. Yeah. Well, I, and I, it. and I knew the amount of suffering that was necessary to like pull it off and, that's part of the what reason I pulled the plug too is because I had things to take care of on my end at home. And I was like, if I'm out there, yeah, I, I didn't come out just for a ride, you know? And it's kind of like, I, and in some ways not to say I'm like Sofian Sahili, but like in when he did the tour divide in 2019 and decided to pull the plug because he was like, I came to win and I'm not in that position anymore. And yeah. uh, so, and that was my same kind of mindset. Um, not exactly like him, obviously, but um, yeah. Yeah. So, like I totally understand that you could like save it for another event. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like you 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 pull it on this one, maybe do something like a month from now or something, and you're still, you know, you got all that fitness. You know, it's just a big training day. That's exactly that it. Yeah. And and if Please. I if I did it and I did the twelve hundred or even the eight hundred, um, you know, after you're you're beat for a while and you've you've deteriorated your body yeah. and your conditioning is actually taking a negative, right? So. Um, yeah. Well, there's no way that I could have continued on for another 360k of the GNR. No, like it's. I think when I when I did it, like I've done it three or four times, um, and it's always about 16 hours of riding. Okay. So, uh, I, you know, I've done it in a couple, two days, one day, whatever. It's always about that. So, like that's. I think I think that third day, if if you're to do the the no sleep like I was doing, I think that that 16 hour riding would take a day. It'd take a full yeah. 24, I bet. I like kind of, I, I kind of thought in my head that I was like, you know what, if I, I mean, this wasn't like a full on plan, but like, you know, very little sleep during the, the BT 700 hit the end of that, get back, sleep outside my car for a good three, four hours and then hit yeah. the GNR. But then I thought about it and I was like, man, if I'm near my car, I'm just going to pull the plug. You yeah. know, like you just feel like I, you, know, you, you got to go thing. like 50 K like, further and get away from your car. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, if I get back to my truck and I feel good, you know, I'll just call in sick tomorrow and, and finish this thing up. Right. But by the time I got back to the start, I was like, so shelled. I was like sleeping like at the cafe on a park table for yeah. like an hour or something oh, and yeah. they're like they came out and they're like are you okay and i'm like i am not okay <laughs> i was like i just need i just need some ice cream or something so i yeah. got some like a burger some ice cream coke you know yeah 
And even me, I only did 400K. And then um, when I got back to the car, I I went and bought $30 of Chinese food and just stuffed my face and then passed out for five hours in the back of the car. It was perfect. Nice. Um, Nice. So let's talk about, um, yeah, well, I mean, congratulations. You you crushed the FKT. It was 28 and a half hours, which is uh, sickeningly fast, but it gives me something that uh, I definitely want to go and try. Try to outrun that um, at some point. I don't know. I, I love that competition aspect of everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, if you need anything, let me know. Uh, you know, I want somebody obviously to uh, take take that time off. The, the routes already changed a little bit, so uh, has he changed it know, already again? Already? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did he change? Uh, he pulled out some of the stuff that's uh, in that top section. Oh yeah, he said um, there was a push up a hill that he. Um, I, I think I never made it that far, but he was a mistake, right? Yeah. It wasn't meant to be in the file, and yeah, I, yeah, I, I think he did that. He added some more single track and stuff. So I think overall it's the same length, but I think that uh, you know I don't know if it's faster or slower now, but I think that it it probably be about the same. Okay. Um. So, you know, it's hard to know yeah. without actually, like, doing it. But, yeah, I, you know, I, it seems like it keeps getting longer. So, you know, the next person that goes out and does it is going to be doing a different route. So yeah. if uh, it's longer, then it counts, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I it's it probably, I think the only differences would be from, when, like, the original BT700 to now this BT700++. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because like 700 to 790 is a huge difference. But, um, you know, even from, so, yeah. even from last year was 760. This year is 790. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like the Tour Divide. They made it a little bit longer. And so it's, it's hard to beat the record, but it can be done. And maybe it'll be done one yeah. day. And, um, yeah, yeah. it definitely would be a challenge to take yours down. But I, you know, start thinking about things and figuring things out. Awesome. I got to figure out the nutrition better. You, you seem to have that dialed in. And uh, I think that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, all this stuff is, is, is one on your stomach for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I would say that like my number one tip for, for eating is, uh, set that alarm on your, like the eat alarm on your Garmin yeah. and listen to it. And then the other thing is to make sure that you have like a big variety of food of, of all sorts of different things, because like sometimes like food will be absolutely disgusting to you. Yeah. Like I, I, I actually ended up throwing out a bunch of stuff that I, I just couldn't eat. Uh, you know, some of my favorite treats, uh, just couldn't do it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, a real big variety. Yeah. I'd say for me, like I, I know the stuff that I can kind of happily eat in the first day and that is things I will hate the second day. So it's kind of plan your food and like have, like you said, have stuff that you eat it first, you know, the stuff that you know you're not going to like later. And then hopefully still like the other stuff come day two and three or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And like try to get as much like real food in there as possible, I guess, uh, like later on. Like I feel like you can do the the fake food for for a good amount of time, but like you kind of like after like maybe hour 20 or something, you really want to be like, you know, throwing real food in there. Yeah. Subway sandwiches and Tim Horton farmer's wraps. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the farmer's Nelson wraps because they can fit right in your back pockets of your jersey. They're just little two little boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's uh, any other events coming up that you're planning to do or for this summer? Um, no. Well, I'm, I'm going to do the uh, Quebec single track experience uh, stage race. Oh. It's uh, 
It's is that the uh, one in Quebec City? Yeah, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's super cool. I did last year. It's uh, six days of uh, XCO style racing. Uh, so that's like a short course, like so, like about an hour and a half race to maybe two and a half hour. Okay. Uh, for six days, and uh, I would suggest that to anyone. Um, but apart from that, I, I have some cross on the calendar, but I'm kind of yeah. looking for another. I, I'm kind of hoping for for a race in October. So there's a couple out there. Is there? Um, like mountain bike racing or you mean like uh, bike packing? Bike packing. So the AZT is in October. Oh, we're talking big, and, serious stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, so I'm dabbling with that. I'm thinking about it. Um, and then there's another one in Arkansas. Yeah, uh, Arkansas High, High Country. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a bike for it, so I'd have to get all that together. What do you need for that? Is that uh, more of a gravel or... I think people run like gravel bikes. Uh, I have a cross bike, mm-hmm. uh, which I think would probably be okay. Um, and I run my, uh, I run a mullet setup on my cross bike. Okay. So I do a, uh, uh, it's, it's like my, uh, not real model. Of course it, I, I run a, the biggest tire I can in the front, which is like a 42 or something. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one I can in the back, which is like a 35 or eight or something okay. like that. So, uh, big meats in the front and, uh, but yeah, I, I don't really have a good setup for that, I think. So I'd have to get a bike and figure it all out. But yeah. um, I'm thinking about doing something like that. I, I, I really love this uh, this format, the the ultra format. Yeah, it's pretty sick. So, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fun. And um, yeah, I, I'm doing uh, eight hours of hurting in Halliburton in uh, September. Nice. So that's going to be a fun one. I haven't done any, yeah. uh, I guess, uh short distance <laughs> only eight hours long but uh it should be fun it's it's going to be a different thing completely you know and even the fueling yeah. and the you know you can have your cooler there or whatever and just pick up stuff as you go by my wife might run? come uh i'm gonna use my gravel bike i'm probably gonna run with 40s or maybe 44s yeah. uh, my 44s are starting to get pretty worn down so i might put the, yeah. the original tires back on there's some kenda something or another's and okay uh, right on just because i have tubeless them tubeless for sure um, yeah yeah but yeah the gravel bike with arrow bars and yeah okay cool yeah nice. and um do you want to tell us about bang bang is that a yeah yeah sure so uh uh you know my covid project was uh, a, a big route called uh bang bang uh and the bang bang is because it's like eating one delicious meal and then going to another restaurant and eating another complete <laughs> meal like right after each other, which is called the bang bang. It's like a Louis CK, uh, joke. Okay. Um, but, uh, the, so I guess the first meal is, uh, the DVP. So you do about 35 kilometers of, of single track. That's like, um, you know, pretty punchy. And then you ride along the lake shore, uh, uh, up through Pickering through a bunch of like uh, single track, and uh, double track through um, uh, conservation and all that stuff, all the way up to uh, Dagmar. And you do the entirety of, uh, sorry, Walker's Woods. You do a bunch okay. of Walker's Woods, and then you do uh, Dagmar, and then you do uh, a bunch of uh, Durham Forest. Yeah. And then you do the, uh, you go through Walker's Woods again up to, uh, the Oak Ridges Trail, and then you go through and you uh, get to uh, uh, what's it called? 
the Rouge Valley okay. uh, National or sorry, uh, Urban Park. And there's a, they're working on a bunch of trails up there. They don't have, uh, you know, uh, the fences keep getting knocked over. So you kind of like ride through that. Uh, that's officially opening sometime this year. So, you know, don't, don't trespass. Um, <laughs> Nobody saw me. Yeah. And then you ride down the scene trail, which is all single track uh, that just opened up to bikes a couple years ago. And, and then you basically take the, uh, the Meadowway trail all the way back to, uh, uh, to the secret Loblaws, oh, which is sweet. the Loblaws that everyone meets at in the Dawn trail. All right. And yeah. how long is the route? Uh, it started at, uh, like 200 and now it's at 250. Okay. And does it tie in with, um, I guess it would probably tie in with the Durham destroyer routes up there. Do you know? Those um, routes? no, it's, it's pretty far away. Is it? Okay. Well, actually, you know what? Yeah. You, you could, uh, you could link it up with Durham destroyer if you want to. I mean, I think I haven't, I haven't read those, so I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think that you, uh, there is a portion that goes near chalk Lake. And so you could hop on uh, near chocolate. Okay. I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know the routes too much. I haven't ridden them yet either. I know they're on the the site, but uh, it'd be neat yeah. to see. Uh, it's kind of like how you can see like how Tiago's routes can link up with Theo's. Um, uh, what's his Brockton one there that he made um, from King to Brockton or something, and you could catch him up in oh, Mono cool. Hills and stuff, and like extend some of these epic rides that people are putting together, which is really neat. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I I built this one so you could like leave from you could like put all your stuff like on your bike and like leave from downtown, so it'd yeah. be super accessible for all sorts of people. Uh, but then I ended up making it like so gnarly that like anyone that could like it's not necessarily <laughs> accessible anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then you got you got to be riding like at least a hardtail, like by full suspension. It was like much more fun. And then you gotta be packing pretty light because the the Don Valley sections are pretty uh, pretty gnarly. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, but um, yeah, they're pretty, they're just punchy. So like, if you want to have a light light rig, um, but do you, you know, think you like can... a, a rigid full mountain bike is doable or is it? You know, I I did a, a I, I did the whole thing on a rigid mountain bike, and I gotta tell you, like. I did it so you don't have to. Like it was so much pain. Okay. Like, it's like yeah, it's just it's just too much single track. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting like, a second set of forks for my bike so I can actually just switch out the forks and put on switch it from rigid to to suspension in the front. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, just put a, a squish in the front would would be perfectly fine. Like yeah. that would that would be. I think that's the bike. Um, but. You know, it, it is it is a big burly route. There's a lot of single track on it. Okay. So, like, if you're into like shred packing or whatever that's called, this this is definitely your route, especially because it's so accessible from Toronto. I like, like that word shred could, packing. Like, I've never heard that, but that's a that's, yeah, yeah <laughs> my kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you can uh, you could probably start at the Guildwood Go Station if you want to, which is pretty close to the, the like it it passes. Like, if you want to start at the Guildwood go station, like if you're going to take the go train yeah. to the start, you could, you could basically start the thing anywhere, but that's an easy accessible point. Mm. Sweet. And, um, are you thinking about doing it a, like a little grand apart or some kind of grand apart in the future? And, uh, you know, there's, to rumor, be determined. there's some rumor of that, uh, you know, but I haven't quite figured out how that's going to work yeah. and how it's going to be, 
uh like worded and stuff if it's yeah. just gonna be like a nice group ride that people happen to ride real fast on yeah uh but if you're racing this thing you'd, you'd race it you wouldn't put bags on you just do it like i think i did the 225 version in 14 and a half hours oh, okay so like if you're racing it you you do you'd go sub 24 for sure yeah. i think this version would probably take about uh like if you're going fast fast i, I would say that you're going like 16 to to 20 hours okay. would be like a good clip um and then then but like i think the format would be kind of cool if you did kind of like a like almost like a stage race where yeah. you do you set up a like a camping spot for the for the night and then everyone would uh like race i guess to the camping spot where is the halfway put, mark is that around durham or is it uh yeah, it's uh, the halfway mark is is it probably in Durham Forest. Okay, uh, but we'd have to find somewhere to camp. I yeah. think the the trail hub. Uh, I'm working with the or I'm trying to work with the trail hub to find out uh, when they're going to open up their camping because they are going to do some camping and it is near uh, Durham Forest. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, the way I'd like to do it is everyone like leaves at the same time and then they all get to yeah. camp. You hang out. You know, we have some like a big cooler there and the whole bit. Yeah. And then everyone starts again at like eight. And then those two days are put together for your final time. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I think we yeah. talked about that on the ride too. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a really, really fun way to do it. Yeah. And are you thinking this year or kind of waiting until next year and see what happens? Uh, you know, I saw, I still have to still, figure out yeah. how that's going to work. So, uh, you know, I don't want to like, uh, say too much. Yeah. I'm going to, Fair enough. I'm going to put it on my uh, Instagram, uh, bang, bang, bikepacking. Yeah. So uh, if that ends up happening. But, Sweet. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. Uh, I think I'm. that's pretty much. Uh... No, I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show. Um, it's great to to get to hear your experience and how you planned for the BT seven hundred because uh, I can tell that you put a lot more thought into it than I did, which is <laughs> probably why you achieved what you did. And uh, yeah. it definitely makes me think of how I have to raise the bar when I'm out there next yeah. time. If if I mean it's you know it's an expensive trip like, to drive all the way to southern Ontario and yeah, um, especially with fuel prices the way they are these days. But they got a little bit better. Thank you, Uncle Dougie, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and. Yeah. Um, yeah, so but it's a good thing I live close to Ottawa because I filled up today. Diesel's expensive, so yeah. um, if it if it makes you feel any better, the price of gas crashed like ten percent the last couple of days. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, you, you might be feeling that in uh, a couple months from now. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, anyways, man, thanks so much for being on, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, I'll get out to Toronto at some point uh, this summer and shoot you a message and get out for a ride. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, if anyone wants to hit me up on my Instagram uh, and has any questions, they, you know, everything I, I learned about this stuff, I learned from other people. So if you want to hit me up, it's uh, B-R-K-L-Y-N underscore underscore. So Brooklyn without the O's underscore underscore. And I can answer any questions Sweet. that people have. Yeah, and I'll definitely add links so people can uh, cool. just quickly access you. And I'll put both in there. I'll put the Bang Bang one as well as Brooklyn um, so that, uh, yeah. Sick. Cool, man. Um, I will end this, and uh, you don't have to hang up. We, we can chat for some, a little bit more. So talk to you soon, and keep on peddling. Thanks. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. 
It really helps motivate me to keep going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have comments or questions, you can email me at chris at biketoadventures.com or go to the website biketoadventures.com and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, blog posts, videos, and the Touring Tips page. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you're enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bike tour adventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, helping me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and continue to produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.